0: Welcome to the Holistic Baby and Toddler Sleep Podcast. I'm your host, Georgina Winderbank, a qualified naturopath, a holistic sleep consultant, a mother to a little boy, and I have been pregnant four times. At the Holistic Sleep Project and through my membership, the Sleep Collective, I have helped countless families locally and internationally resolve their sleep issues which affect not just babies and toddlers but the entire family unit and how smoothly it functions. My approach is unique as it is completely holistic, just like the natural. Naturopathic philosophy. Naturopathy and holistic sleep together create a deeper understanding between the philosophy of sleep and its relationship to other crucial parts of child development. In this podcast, you will learn plenty of solutions and gain an abundance of knowledge so you can confidently tackle any sleep challenge that comes your way. These discussions will address child sleep as well as nutrition, emotional well-being, resilience, and experiencing family loss and trauma. This is an informative, thought-provoking podcast about pregnancy, parenting, and of course, sleep. I am so glad you're here as we navigate together one of the toughest jobs in the world and reduce sleep deprivation in the process. Let's get started. Welcome to the Holistic Baby and Toddler Sleep Podcast. I am so glad that you are here. On today's episode, I want to talk to you about one of the most common sleep challenges that parents come across And therefore, it's one of the most frequently asked things that I get consulted about every day, whether it's in my DMs, whether it's on my one-on-one consultations. Most of all my one-on-one consultations will always have this within their sleep presentation, but I get asked about it everywhere all the time. Can you guess what it is? Early rising, So early rising is actually one of my, probably my favourite sleep conundrum that I come across. And the reason for that is that it's fixable. Never have I considered that it would be normal or acceptable to have a baby that wakes in an early rising kind of zone all the time. I just don't accept that. So as far as I have come across to date, it is always fixable. And if you think that you just have a, quote, early riser, that, my friends, is not true. I'm particularly passionate about this sleep challenge because I just don't think it's something that you have to withstand. And as I say, I hear it time and time again. I just have an early riser. Oh, my one rises early. Something in the 5 a.m. zone is not That is not acceptable and it's not something you have to withstand because as we're going to talk in this podcast, it really spirals out of control. It spirals the whole sleep picture into a bit of a mess. So if we can address early rising, then we can get some control back to the whole sleep picture. So everything that I did when it came to my little one and when he was younger as a baby, pretty much everything I did was to avoid a a 5am rise. So I actually became quite obsessive, particularly around checking the heater, which we'll go through the reasons later in the podcast as to why your little one might be waking up. But one of the reasons is to give you a bit of a teaser is about being too cold. So I became quite obsessive with checking, checking the heater and I did it multiple times, like every few hours. And I mean, that worked in the sense that he never, I never have a, had a child that early rose because I worked out all the variables that it could have been or could go wrong. So I never allowed any of those to happen. But in the same instance, I was awake a lot of the night checking the heater to make sure it was still working and the room hadn't gotten too cold because I really didn't want to be waking up at 5am at any time. And it worked because I always got to sleep till seven, but I was definitely up through the night. That's for sure. So before we talk about reasons for early rising and solutions for early rising, let's talk about what early rising actually is. So within the sleep world, we talk about early rising really being a wake-up before 6am that a baby or a toddler cannot get back to sleep. So kind of anything from about 4 or 4.30 onwards when a child is regularly waking at those times and they just cannot get themselves back to sleep. That would mean you're experiencing early rising. That doesn't mean that you have an early riser for life or they're just an early riser quote. It means that what you're experiencing is a period of early rising, and as I say, it is totally and absolutely fixable. So when I meet families, usually what they're doing about this early these early risers are that they're either trying to resettle their little ones. So they might be going in and patting them back to sleep or shushing them or giving them a feed, which we'll talk about shortly, or holding them back to sleep. I had a family once who would hold their little 12-month-old from an early rise all the way until morning. And I, in fact, I've had another family recently where both parents were doing that of their five-and-a-half-month-old. They had a lot of other things going on, but they would, if their child would wake early, then they take them into the living room and hold them in the living room chair back to sleep, Or if they're a little bit older, you might be finding yourself thinking, well, we just better start the day. What other solution do I have? So you're popping them in front of the TV or the iPad, which, you know, there's a time and a place for that. But obviously doing it first thing in the morning is not necessarily ideal because you're actually giving them something which is really probably amazing for them. And then that can create a bit of a vicious cycle, which we'll also talk about in the coming moments. So when it comes to the consequences of early rising, I really want to show you that this is, becomes a vicious cycle. It's part of an issue with sleep that then spins out of control. It might be in isolation. It might, might just be early rising. But the consequences of early rising are vast. There are plenty. So firstly, One of the consequences of early rising is that you perpetuate an overtired cycle. So what I mean by that is that let's say your little one wakes at 5 a.m. and they're on a two-hour awake time. So usually they would probably wake up around 7 a.m. But in this instance, they're early rising, they wake at 5. So you think, okay, well, my little one has a two-hour awake time, so I'll pop them down at 7 for their first nap. Then you find that all your naps are pushed forward for the day. So you might be done with your naps fairly early in the day, maybe around 3 o'clock, 3.30, depending on how long they're sleeping and what their awake times are. So then you're looking at being ready for bed at around 5 or 5.30 if we're talking again about a two-hour awake time. So that's a really early bedtime. So that means that you've done with all your day sleep by a really early time, which means that, okay, it's bedtime at 5 or 5.30, Our little ones might be sleeping 12 hours or thereabouts overnight. So guess what? They're going to wake at 5.30 a.m. again. So or some parents might actually be holding them out to, quote, a normal bedtime. So even though they're done with their naps, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't put them to bed at 5.30 p.m. So let's hold them out until 7 o'clock, which is their normal bedtime. Then they've had a massive awake time prior to bed and then that, that contributes to the overtired picture because there's a reason for awake times only babies depending on their age can handle a certain amount of awake time at a certain age and by holding them out to get them to a normal bedtime or a more reasonable bedtime in fact you've got a massive awake time which as I say contributes to that overtiredness Another consequence of early rising will obviously be that your child is tired and grumpy and then you have to endure that for the rest of the day. So plenty of grizzling, plenty of unsettledness, and then they're really hard to get to sleep. When a child is overtired, they can be really difficult to get to sleep. And often that means that you have to intervene more, you have to support them more, when maybe in the past before this early rising cycle you didn't have to intervene at all or very much. Now all of a sudden you're finding yourself having to rock more than you ever have or rock for longer or you're feeding them to sleep more often than you were before or you're holding them more, or you're having to put them in a pram or a car and do more motion naps than you were previously to having the early rising. So again, it creates a vicious cycle. Another consequence of you having early rising at the moment could be that you are tired and grumpy. And when we are tired and grumpy, our fuses are shorter, our tolerance is shorter, is less and we can't tolerate the things that we can normally tolerate. We snap at our children. We don't want to play with them as much. We don't want to engage with them as much. We're snappy with our partners. We can't do as functional, be as functional at work as we normally are. So there's many, many reasons why once we are tired, it bleeds into the rest of our life and it becomes more less fun. That's for sure. And maybe not as functional as that time as it was prior. Another vicious cycle that can be created from early rising is because they woke early, they're overtired, and then they don't get enough day sleep. So as I mentioned before, if a child is overtired, they require a lot more assistance to get to sleep, but they can also catnap when they're overtired. So you might have gone from a child having two, one and a half hour, beautiful, refreshing naps and now, all of a sudden, with along with the early rising, they're more difficult to get to sleep for naps and they're catnapping. So they're not getting enough total day sleep that is required for their age or their individual personality, and that can create overtiredness. That then spins into the night, where they might be waking frequently or more frequently than they were prior to the early rising, and they're having long periods of wakefulness overnight. So, again, perhaps before they weren't waking overnight or they were just waking overnight age appropriately for feeds, but now you're finding they're having these monster, you know, awake for an hour here or there, awake for a two-hour block. Something really, really has changed and spun out of control all because of the early rising. So as you can see, it's usually not in isolation early rising. Sometimes it is. Sometimes if you have a child that sleeps independently they've their parents have taught them how to do that they've worked with a professional they're getting fantastic sleep and then early rises rising starts they usually reach out for help and then the professional in my case I can solve it really quickly and I can identify what the variable is is that needs to be changed and then they're back on their path to fantastic sleep but if you are a parent or you've got a child who's never slept particularly well and you're not sure which variable is off, then it can be a little bit more confusing and a little bit more complicated. So let's run through the reasons for early rising. And this is why I love this so much, is because to me it's like a puzzle that I am trying to fix when I work with people. And that's why I love it so much, is I love trying to work out the answer. So I find the number one reason for early rising is that their little ones, babies and toddlers, are cold. So we are taught by all sorts of different professionals along the way with our new babies that don't overheat them. It's really dangerous to overheat them and that is really, really valid, of course. And if you look at the SIDS recommendations, they talk about not wearing beanies and not wearing bulky things and not putting our little ones in... You know, heavy wool and all that sort of thing. So that's completely valid. However, I actually find that babies are notoriously underdressed. And that's where we have to think about the fact that babies cannot self regulate their own body temperature until around 15 months. So, what we need to do is before they're rolling, we compensate with blankets and warmth of the room and clothing. And once they can roll and they have to come, the blankets have to disappear then we have to compensate with warmth of the room and the clothing. Now, obviously, every climate is different no matter where you are in the world or are in Australia. However, usually there is a particular drop that happens around the 3 to 5 a.m. mark in most climates where the temperature does go down by a couple of degrees, and that is often a reason why a child will wake in that 4 to 5, 30 a.m. zone is because the temperature has dropped and they weren't dressed appropriately to accommodate for that temperature drop. So that's one reason. And you also need to think about the fact that during the day, let's say in Victoria, for example, or Tasmania, the days are still freezing. The days are freezing as they are at night in winter and some other seasons, perhaps autumn as well. So you don't necessarily need to dress them in less. It's really about finding the temperature that is approved and that is recommended by SINCE and then dressing them in what's approved and what's safe and then making sure that you're being consistent with that now of course that will vary when summer versus winter and we don't want any sweating if we're seeing any sweating around the head or the neck or anything like that that would indicate that the baby's too hot but having a warm chest or warm you know, neck, doesn't indicate they're too hot. In fact, that says to me they're nice and cosy and warm. Also think about the fabrics that you're dressing your little ones in. You want to make sure that they're breathable. So if you've got them in something synthetic, it is highly likely that they will sweat and you may think to yourself, oh, my child's too hot, they're sweating. But in fact, it's the type of material that you're dressing your little one in. Another main reason for early rising is around being under-tired, and this is really common when we're talking about toddlers. So if you give your toddler a huge, massive day nap, because trust me, sometimes they'll just keep sleeping, and you don't accommodate for their differing sleep needs as they get older, you kind of max out on their 24-hour total day sleep. So they just can't take any more sleep. They just don't need any more sleep because in their 24-hour period of their day nap and their night sleep, They've had plenty. So let's say as an example you've got a one or two-year-old, the average amount of sleep according to the Sleep Foundation is twenty-four in a 24-hour period is 11 to 14 hours. Now I'm not talking about low sleep total babies. They might be less than that or high sleep total babies might be higher than that. But as an average, the average for that age group is 11 to 14 hours in a 24-hour period. So if you're allowing your little one to sleep 12 hours overnight, and you do a three-hour day nap, that's 15 hours, that might be too much for them. So then you might get night wakes because they've had too much sleep in a 24-hour period for them as an individual, and now they just, they wake up early in the morning because they just can't take any more sleep. So if you're having problems around that, you want to know what the average amount of sleep is, and you also need to know how it is spaced through the day. So I often here, families having let's say four hours of total day sleep but instead of spacing it correctly throughout the day they might lump it all at one time or the majority at one time and then if it's not spaced correctly that in itself can also cause overtiredness and overtiredness as I'm teaching you today can cause early rising. We want to make sure that we're preserving our night sleep and that the naps and overnight are restful and uninterrupted. So Overnight, yes, of course, children wake as they change sleep cycles, but it's not big blocks of awake time. We want to make sure that we preserve our bedtimes as much as possible. Another reason that children early rise is it becomes a habit. And as I mentioned in the introduction, often parents don't know what to do, so they go to their children. Some parents will bring their child into their bed and they have some nice cuddles. Some parents will put them in front of an iPad or a TV And all these things are really, really great and sometimes we need to do obviously the cuddles, that's for sure, depending on what's happening and the reason your child needs support at that time. But you might find that they start waking earlier and earlier and earlier. So if you were giving an iPad for a 5.30 wake, the next day you might find your little one wakes at 5 and then you might just find it keeps getting earlier and earlier because they're very smart and they will start to habitually wake earlier for that, quote, reward And then you're in a bit of a pattern as well. The same goes for if you didn't intend to co-sleep and their little one is in their cot or their toddler bed or their big bed, but then you bring them into your bed because let's say they work because they were cold. So you've brought them into their bed. Of course, they go back to sleep because they're warmer, but that will probably keep happening because one, perhaps they were cold to begin with. And two, they're getting that habitual benefit. They're getting the positive thing that they didn't maybe didn't even intend to have in the beginning. But now they're getting this fantastic cuddle with mum and dad. So habitually, they will just continue to wake for that. Another really big reason for early rising can be hunger. And this when it comes to toddlers, this could be that they're not eating enough collectively through the day. So it's kind of an accumulative thing. Some parents report that their children have a great breakfast perhaps a great lunch, but then they barely eat dinner. They might go to bed hungry, and then it's understandable they haven't eaten through the night, and so they wake early rising. The same thing for perhaps a younger baby. Perhaps they're not taking enough milk. They're not having enough feeds through the day so that they're waking more at night for feeds. Now, I'm obviously not talking about newborns. I'm talking about older babies who perhaps can sustain periods of time overnight without a feed, but for whatever reason, it's particularly the early, early morning feed that they're waking and requiring. I will also say that when children drop feeds overnight, it is usually that later morning feed that does drop last. So it's really just about looking at your feeding and sleeping cycles together. I really believe that feeding and sleeping work synergistically. So they work together and they need to both be in alignment and both at their optimal to support each other. So look at your times of feeding and sleeping and see if they're working synergistically. Now, the big question is, what do we do about early rising? Well, if you've been listening to prior episodes, you probably know or you're about to learn that I see sleep as a holistic equation. So as a naturopath, we see health and wellness as the same. So if a naturopath sees a client for a skin condition, And the client says, okay, I've got acne. What do I do about my acne? And this would happen to me all the time when I worked in a herbal dispensary, when I was studying to be a naturopath. Often people would have skin conditions and they would come in looking for a cream or an ointment or an oil to put on their skin. And we would educate them that it's actually so much more than what's going on with your skin. In the the realm of skin conditions, it can be about something that's triggering it for sure. So it might be a particular food. It's about gut integrity. It's about stress levels. It is about a lot of things. It might even be contact dermatitis where we're talking about your profession maybe as a hairdresser and that those chemicals can be initiating a response to your immune system and then to your skin. So it's complex. And the same thing goes for something like depression. Some people might look at depression as an event You know, what was it that triggered this depression? But everything had to be set up for that condition to be initiated. So how, again, is the gut going? What's the person's diet like? Do they drink alcohol? Um, Is there an inflammatory component to their depression, which there usually is? There's so many different elements to depression. It's not just about a particular stressful event that may have triggered the onset of it. So the same goes for sleep. Uh, The definition of holistic is many parts that make up a whole. So there are probably many parts that make up to your early rising challenge. As I say, not always, but most likely. So the answer is really to go back to all these variables that I'm talking about and work out which one applies to you. If you have a child who can self-settle or resettle and they sleep really well on their own and you've helped them along the way to do that, or you've seen a professional and your little one starts to early rise, it should be a fairly easy fix if you go back and look at all of these factors in detail and see which which one's out of alignment. However, if your little one never really slept that well and there's been a lot going on, they've had early rising, they've had spurts of catnapping, uh, there's lots of different things that nap transitions they struggle with, whatever it may be, then you there's most likely that there's a lot going on and you probably want to work out what those things are and maybe in conjunctions with solving your early rising, you might want to work towards some more independent sleep. So then when this does go off again and it's the early rising that falls apart again, it's an easier fix. It's kind of like we have all our foundations in place when we, I work with clients and then when one thing goes off it's much easier to identify what the issue is versus someone who's never had all these foundations in alignment and then you're kind of scrambling wondering why your little one is experiencing the sleep challenge that they are. So go back to the drawing board, look at the elements that I've talked about and see which ones that you feel are no longer in alignment or perhaps they were never in alignment as I say if you've never done this kind of work before. Part of it is also understanding the concept of over and under tiredness and knowing how awake times work. So that's another thing that we'll talk about in the future. But you need to understand that your little one's sleep needs change. And that was why I discussed that in episode one, because if parents don't understand that their child's sleep needs change or their child's schedule will change, then they probably got them on the same sort of sleep requirements or they're expecting the same thing from their child's sleep needs. But all of a sudden, their child doesn't need to sleep that much as they had been in the past. And then they were experiencing early rising. So, what happens when a child is early rising, as I mentioned, is you might find that you're having to bring in more support. So, you're so desperate to get them back to sleep that you're bringing them into the bed, you're feeding back to sleep when you possibly weren't doing that before, you're rocking them more back to sleep, you're doing I you might even be doing a combination. Often I meet families and they're doing a bit of everything. They're so desperate to get their little ones back to sleep. But it actually creates a new problem, and that is that your little one is now dependent on a sleep crutch or multiple sleep crutches, which they weren't actually dependent on before. So see how it's all really related. As I say in last week's episode, it's all really related And that's why understanding the foundation of change and consistency and awake times and routines and in this, you know, all these things come together to have a really clear understanding of sleep and our child's development and our, how their needs change and develop. And then when something like early rising comes up, it's not such a big deal. So if you're experiencing early rising right now, I encourage you to go back to the variables that I've discussed. And see if you can figure out why your little one is early rising. As I say, it could be one of those elements or it could be multiple things at play. And, of course, reach out to me for support if you still need it after doing that little tally. I find that the mini consult is actually ideal for this because we can run through all the varying factors that I've talked about and we can work out which one needs to be changed or fixed in order to combat the rising. By the end of that 30-minute mini consult, your early rise challenge is solved. Okay, that is the download on early rising. And remember, this sleep challenge is not something you have to withstand and it is totally fixable. Until next time, happy sleeping. This episode is brought to you by The Sleep Collective, which is opening in just a few short weeks. So I highly recommend you jump on the wait list so you don't miss out. If you enjoyed this episode, learned something or felt moved by a topic that was discussed, please share it with another parent who you think would enjoy this episode. Also, don't forget to leave a review on the platform where you listen to this podcast so more families can be empowered about their child's sleep. Make sure to follow me on Instagram so you can get more sleep tips that will help you improve your child's sleep today. And head to my website if you would like to work one-on-one with me. Until next time, happy sleeping.